I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. And welcome to our very first episode of Snacks with Stein. I'm Christy and Danielle is here and we are ready to jump into it. Danielle, do you want to uh, tell the folks at home how, why we're here? Why are we here? Um, that's a really deep existential question and I'm not sure if I'm ready to answer, but I can tell you a little bit about me. I'm Danielle. I like long walks on the beach. I'm also a Libra. Oh wait, I have the wrong I have the wrong app open. Let me see. So we started this podcast because <laughs> we like we like spooky stuff, and we like to read, and we also like to eat junk food. So all of those powers combined, and we wanted to start our own show. And we have the Haunted Heart podcast to blame for that. And Christy is going to tell you more about our lovely friends at the Haunted Heart. You know, I am um, because, you know, not every podcast can launch with a Patreon already in process, but we sure did. And we actually have a couple of people in there. And one of the one of the things that we do for our patrons is every show we will give our patrons their very own toast. For you listeners at home who are having snacks right along with us, I'm going to go ahead and ask everyone to lift their glasses. Uh, Haunted Heart podcast, this one's for you. Excited we are that you've joined our team. Thank you for supporting our dream. May your rashes be small, (laughs) not contagious at all. And never require a doctor or a cream. <laughs> Cheers. Beautiful. I thought so. Danielle, what snacks will you be um, enjoying while I tell our first story? I am going to be enjoying some frosted gingerbread men from Trader Joe's. They're little cookies, they're delicious. And they're Christmassy. And if you have a stomachache, it'll probably help you out with the ginger. Oh, pro tip. So every other episode, Danielle and I are going to take turns retelling some of our favorite R.L. Stein books. And when I was younger, I mostly bonded to Fear Street. And Danielle was definitely more of a Goosebumps girl. So I'll be covering Fear Street. She'll be covering Goosebumps. And I'm going to start us off this week with the Fear Street book, Silent Night. And the reason that I chose this one is because it's the first thing that comes up when you (laughs) Google Fear Street and Christmas. There's something, and I was going to talk to you about this, Daniel. There's there's something really special about horror with like a Christmas theme. I I don't know what, I think it's because the air is kind of like already charged. I mean, do you feel like there's like a creepiness to winter and like the holidays in general? I think so. For me, I associate Christmas and like the wintertime with this very particular smell. And it's almost like a 
fire smell, but it's not. I don't know if it's the air smells like it in California or what it is, but it kind of burns your nose and it's kind of creepy and it makes you kind of want to like get a blanket and like watch something scary or read something scary in our case. I definitely get that vibe. Well, we're going to, we're going to kind of gather around the campfire here. Um, I'm going to set the scene. This book was copyrighted in 1991. And there's a lot of very fabulous uh, references to that time frame. First of all, the cover, when you talk about the cover art of all these, be it Fear Street or Goosebumps, like there's a very specific kind of vibe. Like he used a few different artists when creating the cover art, but they all kind of have definitely the very same theme. It's recognizable as a Stein book. On this one, we've got like this very surprised redheaded teenaged girl. And she's pretty and made up. And she's like looking out of a door window. And the door is painted this fantastic 90s hunter green. And there's like a wreath on the door. She's got her hands pressed up against the glass. And she's got this like surprised O face going on. And a lot of the covers (laughs) for some reason have this open mouth and frightened (laughs) thing happening. But she's definitely kind of like rich bitch pretty. The tagline reads, Happy holidays. You're dead. And I'm going to do, I'm going to run on a small tangent real quick. Uh, if you don't like tangents, this is not the show for you. Just so you know. Um, when I was describing this cover art, it made me think of the first time I was ever mansplained to. <laughs> because I was in the sixth grade. I had ordered my first Fear Street book from the Scholastic Book Club and it had come in. It was Bad Dreams. This kid in my class, and I think his name was Mark something, he had a flat top and a rat tail. And if you don't know what a rat tail is, it is a fantastic piece of 90s fashion where you cut all the hair on your head, except for about like a quarter sized piece right at the base of your skull. And you let that piece grow as long as you see fit. And sometimes you let it fly natural. Sometimes it's braided. Sometimes there's beads involved. It just depends. So this little dude had a flat top and a rat tail. And he takes the book out of my hands. And he's like, I know how they make these covers. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, these, uh, these artists, they don't really read the book. They just, like, they open it to a page in the middle. And they, like, read a few sentences. And then they make a picture based on that. And then they kind of like jazz it up with all kinds of blood and stuff. And that was it. That was the whole, (laughs) I didn't ask. Okay, can I have my book now? (laughs) And this one, it looks like it retailed for $3.99 in the US, which is bullshit. Because I feel like I remember paying six or seven bucks, but this says $3.99. This one opens with a prologue. And in the prologue, we learn that our young lead is named Reva, R-E-V-A. And it's very hard not to call her Reva, but her name is Reva. (laughs) She works at the perfume counter of a department store, and she's kind of a bitch. The store is like, it's gearing up for Christmas. They've got Christmas carols playing. There's decorations everywhere. There's multiple Christmas trees on the floor. And right away, we meet Reba's boss, Mrs. Smith. 
and she really wants to fire Reva for being a bitch. But she can't because Reva's daddy owns the store. And not only does he own that store, he owns all the stores in the chain. So this is like the flagship store. She's waiting around for her lunch break and she's generally kind of being like a lazy cow about things. Like she's, you know, she doesn't do any work. She ignores customers, whatever. And she pulls out her lipstick and she starts to kind of reapply. And then blood starts gushing from her mouth. So she finds some napkins and she like, she stops the bleeding. And then she looks down at her lipstick and there's a needle sticking in it. She's used this lipstick before and it was fine. But now there's a needle like sticking up straight out of the middle of it. She just can't think of who would want to do something like that to her. So is there any chance that you don't notice a needle in your lipstick and you just keep putting it on? 100% no. I'm going to I'm going to notice that. I'm going to I'm going to feel something. I think. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you feel it immediately like a prick? Like it makes it sound like she just like drug it across her lip. Yeah, it grosses me out. Like I can't even I don't even like it if like there's a if like your lipstick has like a clump or something just cuz it has its lipstick. I don't even like that feeling. So if it was a needle, I would feel that. So now okay, so now let's time travel. We're going to go back two weeks before the lipstick incident. And Reva is in a parked car with her football playing, diamond stud wearing, thick necked boyfriend of like six months. Ooh. And she, yeah, that's what I was saying. But, but Reva is not on board with me. She is like super bored with him. So she dumps him. Oh. And I am about to upgrade her. From bitch to cunt. And I know a lot of people have trouble with the C word, but here's why. She makes a point of not only dumping him, but she does it on purpose in like a really hurtful way because she's enjoying his reaction to it. She's fucking with him because she thinks it's fun to watch his face change. And when he gets real emotional and he starts to ask like, why? She replies with... You know, I've I've just decided to start the new year with someone more interesting. Wow. Yeah. She kicks him out of the car and tells him to kick rocks. And he says something really threatening, like, you know, you'll be sorry. He's walking away and she calls him back to the car. You know, come on back. Come on back. He trots over like a hopeful little puppy. And all <laughs> she says is, happy holidays. And peels out, laughing her ass off. She is a C word for She really is. I I even like I even texted Katie when I was writing this. I was like, is there a better word than bitch? So she leaves poor Hank is his name. She leaves him in pieces and she drives off to the department store to pick up daddy. When she gets there, she kind of freaks herself out. Because she has to walk through the dark, empty department store to get back to the office she's kind of inching along and she feels a hand on her shoulder it's totally a mannequin 
<laughs> she freaks out, but then she kind of like beats herself up for it. And here's where I was surprised because in my mind, I was picturing this like small town department store, like on a main street somewhere, mm -hmm. but no, this is like a super huge old school department stores. She takes an elevator to the sixth floor. Oh my God. This is a six story freestanding department store. Um, like in the early nineties before department stores started like dying a slow death. <laughs> and this one is built with an open center so that every floor has this like circular balcony that looks out and down onto the first floor. I was thinking of, did you ever see the movie mannequin? Yes. That's like the department store I'm picturing in my mind, how that place was huge and had like an atrium and you can like look down into it. That's like what I'm imagining. Yeah, I think that's pretty close. That's a fantastic movie, by the way. And I'm not really sure if it was altogether accurate, because even in the <laughs> 80s, I don't think they were manufacturing their own store mannequins on site. Um, but we're going to go with it because Kim Cattrall is fucking amazing. Exactly. She gets to the sixth floor. And she walks past a reception area and a security desk with lots of monitors. She goes up to these big double doors of an office. And as she's like approaching them, she almost gets mowed down um, on her way in by Mr. Wakely. And he's the store security guard. She quickly finds out that her daddy has just fired him for drinking on the job. So in case you're keeping track of people who hate Reva and her whole family, <laughs> there is. Number one, Miss Smith, the store manager. Number two, Hank, the ex-boyfriend jock. And number three, Mr. Wakely, the drunken security guard. Danielle, where's your money at? Oh, man. I'm going to go with Miss Smith, Mrs. Smith right now. Because, you know, she's probably the least suspected. So her dad, who she calls Daddy says that he needs a few more people to work the stock room for the store uh, during the Christmas vacation rush. And, you know, does Reba have any friends who might want to come and work during the vacation? And this bitch immediately sets her sights on some guy she's just, like, super eager to bone. She's been single <laughs> for five minutes, but she already knows who's next. His name is Mitch, something or other. So she's like, yeah, you know, I've got a few people. So she runs home to call Mitch, who has a girlfriend, by the way, to uh, see if, you know, he wants this job working in daddy's store for the Christmas holiday. And Mitch is excited that they need extra help because both he and his girlfriend need jobs, especially the girlfriend, because her family is going through like a hard time and she'd really like to be able to help out. In fact, his girlfriend's here with him right now. And does she want to talk to her about this job? <laughs> Queen bitch decides to say, <laughs> sure. So she tells Mitch's girlfriend, whose name is like Eliza or Lisa, one of those spelled funky. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, you can have a job. You should definitely show up on the first day in like your nicest clothes. Because I think that you would be a really good like perfume sales girl. And I want you to work oh, Chanel. No. Right. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> so she tells her to dress up knowing that she's really going to be in the basement opening up new stock. And I guess here's the part where I'm supposed to feel sorry for her, because we learn that she has this younger brother who she kind of adores and that, you know, their mother has died some years ago. 
Daddy never remarried. At the end of this chapter, we add yet another person with reason to hate Reva. Reva has a cousin named Pam, who is poor and lives. Can you guess where she lives? In the, in the store. Just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't beat of the heart. No, she, she, she lives on Fear Street. Oh, duh. <laughs> So she asks, you know, hey, I was just calling to see if there's any holiday jobs at the store. But Reva hates her poor cousin. So she's like, nope, sorry, no openings as of right now. And Pam's kind of like, oh, you know, okay, I guess I'll go be poor. And, And then we like, we cut to Pam's kind of nasty room in her old drafty rundown house it's a house on fear street she starts having this like screaming crazy ass fit she knows that reva has lied to her and she is displeased in the fear street universe fear street is this like long winding road and it's on the bad side of town it runs through Fear Woods and it goes through this really low-end, dilapidated neighborhood where all the shit goes down. It's kind of like the Hellmouth in Buffy. <laughs> so basically, Luna. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it really is my dog. She parts <laughs> like a person. It's totally not me. You should put that down when I you can't... talk about the Hellmouth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the mouth. Um, so basically, Pam's real poor. The house is real cold, and she has a boyfriend. <laughs> get ready for this. Named Foxy. No shit, Foxy. Oh. And it is impossible for me not to think of Wayne's World. Yeah, I can't. Do you remember That's that? It. Yes. Bum, 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 Foxy. <laughs> My sister is so now. good at that. Any hoodles. So she calls her friend Mickey, who just happens to be the son of the drunken security guard. And these all these characters are going to seem like they're running together, but they'll get a little more defined. So he's the son of the drunken security guard that just got fired. And they decide to meet up at the 7-Eleven. Like you do. Mickey is already there with his friend, Clay. Clay is kind of a wild card. He's that kid that you keep around because they're fun and they generally kind of make you laugh. But there's a real good possibility that they could go to jail at like any time for any stupid fucking reason. So they grab some snacks because they know what's up. And then they head to the counter and the (laughs) clerk accuses Clay of like stealing. He's accused him of shoplifting from the store. So Clay decides that that'd be a real good time to vault over the counter like a gazelle and slam the cashier up against the wall by the throat, uh, which is likely the reason that they start to hear sirens heading their way, like right after he does this. Uh, Yeah, seriously, that's a fast response. I don't know anywhere. Like, I guess they're in Maine, maybe in Maine. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Definitely not here. That would not happen. Yeah, even here, it would take at least 20 minutes. 
Really? Aren't you in the middle yeah. of the city? We are, but we just have bad response rates. <laughs> oh, because I'm I'm up on a mountain. Like, if anything happens right. to me, you'll find find me tomorrow. Like, <laughs> so Clay lets go of the guy, and he kind of jumps back over the counter, and they all run for it and scatter. And the sirens are getting louder and louder, and they run for Pam's car. It's a Pontiac Grand Prix. Wow. Clay gets behind the wheel, probably not the best choice, and he tries to start the car. But the car won't start. He tries again. The car won't start. Then they see the headlights of the cop car now, and on the third try, the car struggles and finally turns over. And Clay decides he's going to make a run for it. It's only one cop. So he peels out of there and dukes a hazard style. <laughs> Clay has lost his ever-loving mind. And he goes on this like high-speed chase through town. He's taking curves way too fast. He's slamming on the brakes. He's pushing the car up to like 100 miles an hour. And let's be real, there's no way in hell her shitty Pontiac Grand Prix is making it that high. But okay. They finally lose the cop. And just when you start to feel bad for possibly Crazy Pam, who was kind of yelling at Clay this whole time to please stop, she and the other two boys start, like, laughing. And they start kind of congratulating each other and, like, high-fiving about, like, how cool they are for, like, sticking it to the man. <laughs> Even that isn't so great because Pam's license plate the other day kind of fell off the back of her car last week and her dad still doesn't put it back on. So they didn't get their license plate. So ha ha ha. We're all felons oh. and it's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> then Clay lets it slip that Mitch called him just before they all met up to tell him that he and his girlfriend just got jobs at the department store and that Reva was just handing them out left and right. So Pam throws another hissy fit and she swears vengeance. Reva is out driving and she's killing time and she spots Rob, who is a new character, on the sidewalk and she pulls over to talk to him and she says that, you know, she thinks Rob is nice and funny and knows that, you know, of course he's got a crush on her, but, you know, he's fat. So there's no <laughs> way she would even spit in his direction. But she gets this great idea. Rob, who was on the chunky side, would make a great store Santa. Her dad did say that she could hire help for the season. So she tells him that she has this really important job for him at the store. And it's in, you know, air quotes, public relations. He's very excited. And he says, you know, this is great because his family really needs the money. So she drives away, just kind of very proud of herself, just thinking about the expression he'll make when he shows up to work. And they hand him a Santa suit. Poor guy. I know, right? <laughs> Rob seems like a, like a sweet little guy. <laughs> I think everybody's problem is that they need to stop being nice to her. Like, it, this can't be a new thing. Yeah. Sounds like she runs the town or something. Like, Yes, she is a bitch. She's doing things that are not nice. She's playing with people. It's not okay. But at the same time, like, a lot of the shit that she does and that she gets away with, it's because people like, are still drawn to her. She heads home. She's going to babysit her little brother. Her little brother's about seven. And here again, I think we're supposed to sympathize from her because aside from being, like, a completely garbage human, she really does like her little brother. 
plays like several rounds of cards with him and then she puts him to bed and then there's this like big knocking at the door who's at the door who's at the door danielle it's santa it's gotta be santa do you think has she been a good girl all year um just it's more likely it's krampus like yeah it's probably krampus it's probably krampus you're right (laughs) well it's not it's hank the beefcake ex-boyfriend. Oh. So she opens the door and she's a giant bitch to him. But that doesn't stop him from asking her for a job at the store because he's heard that she's giving them out and he really needs money. So she kind of mouths off to him and says something really stupid and hurtful. And Hank is getting really pissed. Like he's kind of losing it. And he grabs her arm and he kind of starts to shake her a little bit. And she does something really unexpected. She whistles and the family attack dog, a Doberman named King, shows up and chases Hank from the property, which is kind of hilarious. It is. <laughs> Although Reva's a little sick because like she talks at length about like getting really excited watching like the dog chase him, like wondering oh, if he's gonna lose his throat at any oh. second. So yeah, Reva's got some problems. Sounds, but it sounds funny. like it. For those of us who need a recap, the people that hate <laughs> Reva are number one, Mrs. Smith, the store manager. Number two, Hank, the hunk, ex-boyfriend. Number three, Mr. Wakeley, the drunken security guard who just got axed. Number four, Pam, the emotionally unbalanced poor cousin. And as soon as they get to the store, probably Mitch, Mitch's girlfriend, and also Rob. Yeah. Okay, so Mitch's girlfriend, Lisa, Liza, whatever the hell her name is, she (laughs) shows up, and she's all fancy. And the guy in the workroom is like, what the hell are you doing? And Reba plays dumb. She's like, I don't know what I'm I guess I was confused about whatever. (laughs) So Mitch's girlfriend is asked to go home and change. So she goes home in tears. And then Rob enters the break room and he's got like a Santa suit over his arm and he's not amused. And Reva immediately makes a fat joke about how he's perfect (gasps) for Santa and how he won't even need padding, but he needs the money. So he goes and he puts on the Santa suit and he heads off to meet the kitties. And Reva goes to the perfume counter feeling very proud of herself. Right after she makes sure that Mitch and his girlfriend are placed in different work departments. On the way to the counter, she's making big plans to sexually harass Mitch. And then she's grabbed out of nowhere and dragged into a supply room. Oh. Who drags her in the room, Danielle? Um, I think it's the one of the girlfriend went home. So who's left? It's probably Mrs. Smith. I'm still going with her. We like Miss Smith? I do. Too bad. It's Hank. Again! <laughs> Again! He's still in one piece <laughs> by some miracle. And he's still sniffing around Reva, even after she quite literally sicked the dogs on him. <laughs> Hank tells her that he has gotten himself a job at the store without her help. He is a security guard. Turns out there was an opening. He lets her know he's going to be watching her. That's not creepy. 
No, it's not rapey at all. On 12 monitors, wherever she oh. goes in the store, his eyes are always going to be on her. Wow. Okay, Hank. Okay. I, at this point, I'm thinking maybe they're like, maybe it's a cute couple. Like, maybe they're both a little bit messed up. And maybe. I don't know. Now we cut back to Clay and poor Pam and Mickey, Mikey, who cares? The drunken security guard's kid who got fired. Uh, they're all at his house, and drunk security guard is sitting at the table. Guess what? Drinking. And drinking some more. And Mickey, or Mikey, says that that's pretty much what he's been up to since he's been fired. Oh. Clay, the crazy pants, is playing with a switchblade, like you do, uh, mm -hmm. when you're poor and live on Fear Street. And Pam says that her boyfriend, Foxy, just got a job <laughs> at the store. And that Reva got it for him. So they don't come out and say that Rob is Foxy. But it kind of. Reva got him the job. He just got the job at the store. I feel like Rob and Foxy. are this. It's very confusing. Yeah, I'm confused. They all agree that they would like to get back at Reva. And Clay suggests very calmly that the perfect way to get back at her and her dad at the same time would be to rob the department store. Clay starts pitching this plan. He knows this guy named Maywood and Maywood works at night as a security guard in the store. Maywood is really upset that Mickey's dad got fired and he wants to help Clay carry out this robbery. He's going to leave the back door open for him it's going to be unlocked and then clay once the robbery is done he's going to tie him up and he's going to make it look like he overpowered him then he's going to kind of just take whatever he wants from the store maywood has also made a list of things that he wants out of the deal so he wants while they're in there he wants clay to like steal him some fur coats to sell and some toys for his kids for christmas Okay, so Pam decides to take the high road for the robbery. She's not going to rob anybody, but she's totally fine to drive the getaway car. That's different. We time travel again, and it's two weeks later. So it's right after the needle in the lipstick incident, okay? Okay. She runs into her little brother on the way out of the house, and he really wants her to take her to the store so he can see Santa. He's got his list all made. He wants to go see Santa. She tells him she can't today. She's already 30 minutes late to work. And then there's like another moment where I'm supposed to feel sorry for her, for her mother having died. Okay. She gets to the snore. Excuse me. She gets to the <laughs> snore. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll just put that alcohol right over here. Until it's time to uh, <laughs> oh, oh. She gets to the store and she sniffs out Mitch like a bloodhound. Okay. He's in the stock room. And she, like, walks right up on him and lays a big kiss on him of the French variety. Wow. Okay. He notices, like, mid-kiss that her ex is probably watching her on, like, a security camera that's in there. So she starts, like, hamming it up. <laughs> She's almost dry, <laughs> dry humping this poor dude. And, of course, that's right when his girlfriend shows up. Of course. The girlfriend, you know, flees the room. Lisa, Lisa, whatever. She's in tears. She runs from the room. Oh, how could you, Mitch? <laughs> and he runs after her. But here we learn that Mitch 
in fact, has no nuts. The number of balls he has is is less than one. Because he kind of, kind of pushes Reva away. And then he sort of tries to catch up with his girlfriend. But in the end, he ends up admitting to Reva that he does, in fact, like her. And he wants to get with her instead oh my god and she feeds yeah so she's feeding on this like a pig at a trough and (laughs) she skips off to the perfume counter pretty pleased with herself i bet when reva gets to the counter myth smith is pissed because now she is late for a lunch date that she had because reva is well over an hour late at this point Reva acts like a lazy cow and she mouths off something awful before she leaves. Miss Smith tells her that there is a gift that someone, and she doesn't know who, has left for Reva on the calendar. And, you know, on the calendar, on the counter. And that she can open it when all the customers have gone. Oh. Little Miss Boss's daughter naturally ignores all the customers standing and waiting at the counter, and she immediately begins to open this mystery present. It's a small box. There's no card or indication of who it could be from. Still, she proceeds. And inside is a very beautiful red glass bottle and it's filled with liquid. It's heavy, so she assumes this is perfume. So she takes the stopper out, and she notices that the stopper has a dark red liquid dripping from it. It's blood. She screams, and she drops the bottle onto the counter where it shatters into a million pieces, and it sends blood fucking everywhere. All over... Reva's white cashmere sweater. And as much as I hate Reva, that's cashmere. And that's not okay. Cashmere um, was still 90s. Like, it, it was really was. Like, everybody that was like fancy had a cashmere sweater. Like, I was in elementary school in the 90s, and I remember like all the fancy moms had cashmere sweaters. <laughs> That's all I think of. I just think about, I think of, um, oh, Gremlins. There's a scene in in Gremlins where they're at the bar and the guy comes in and he's being a general, like, 80s, like, yuppie (laughs) douchebag. And somebody, like, accidentally touches his scarf or something. He's like, hey, this is cashmere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I, I don't, I think I was too young. Yeah. To really get it. But so by like by the time I was doing things and trends, it was Angora. Yeah, Angora was a thing. I think my grandma gave us like I think my grandma gave me a cashmere sweater when I was a kid for like a Christmas picture. Or it might have been Angora. I don't know. Some material like that. But I remember it being like fancy and it was like you only wore it for this picture and then you couldn't wear it ever, <laughs> ever again. Was it paired with a hunter green, uh, what's 90s, <laughs> velvet bow, maybe with like a rose in the middle? I'm sure. Well, I had a lot of bows. 
I had long, long, long hair in that, those days. And it was like a bow all the time because I didn't want to put it up. I was like, no, I refuse to put it up. So the only way to get it out of my face was a bow. So I always had a bow I in there. I love it. Her sweater is ruined in the most like psychotic way possible. Reva starts to like coach herself not to feel anything, not to react. Do not scream. Do not cry. She is intentionally shutting down her emotions one by one. All the while she's doing this, she notices that like a small envelope has fallen out of the box uh, that had the bottle of blood in it. And on the card in red ink, it says, happy holidays from a friend. Well, she just assumes that it's Hank, right? And she marches straight to the elevator to go get daddy to have (laughs) him fired. Problem is, Hank has been upstairs installing, and this is amazing, the new security stuff, fancy VHS tapes to record what goes on at the store. It's cutting edge. And Hank denies having anything to do with the gift. And really, I feel like the reason that she opted to go home and change after that instead of like pushing the issue was because she knew that she couldn't prove that it was Hank. I mean, he had witnesses. He was installing this newfangled VCR system. (laughs) So she starts heading home and she notices that there's like a white Ford Taurus following her. She can't see who's driving, but he is like staying right with her. She turns and he turns. So she speeds up and he speeds up. She takes a hard turn, but they're all heading in the direction of her house. She gets to her house, she jumps out of the car, she runs to the front door, the guy jumps out of his car too. And it turns out that this guy says he's accidentally bumped into her in the store parking lot, and he smashed out her taillight. And he was just trying to catch up to her to give her his insurance card. That's not a thing. No one does no. that. Mm-mm. Have you ever been hit, Danielle? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did they chase you down like a wild fucking dog to give you their insurance card? Absolutely not. I think once we might have gotten like a post-it note, but that was like it. Yeah. So the point is like she's getting a little bit frazzled now. She's starting to see like people hiding in bushes and like it's all in her head. This particular sociopath that's like really good at shutting down emotions, she's actually worried and like something is starting to get to her. So that's that's strange new experience for her. Meanwhile, back on the poor side of town, Pam, Clay, and is it Mickey? Mike? I don't care. They've decided that they need to pull their heist on the store tonight before the store gets these like fancy new high tech security systems that are set up to record on VHS. And for some stupid reason, Pam has decided that now she will be somehow less freaked out if she doesn't have to wait in the car while they pull this job she thinks that like if she goes in but you know doesn't take anything because she's got morals she'll be more at ease okay pam she wants to go in but she's supposed to be the getaway car 
Yeah, no, she's not going to be robbing people, Danielle. Okay, <laughs> Pam's a good person. She she will drive them there and drive them away and stand there and watch them take shit, but she's not actually going to take the shit. So, I mean, you know, I just have to say that my good friend Taylor Swift has some really good advice, and her good advice is that nothing <laughs> nothing good starts in a getaway car. So I don't know what she's doing, but. but once they get there and they start to like go into the store, she's horrified because she notices that like Clay has brought along a gun and we were all shocked. All of us. The three of them head into the electronics department where they're supposed to meet up with this inside guy, Maywood, but he's not there. And these assholes forgot one little detail. Danielle, can you guess what would bring down the heist of the century? Well, I can't get in if he's without Maywood. Well, no, they got in. They got oh, into they got the in. store and they made it to the electronics department. Maywood's not there. What's the other big problem? Oh, I don't know. They didn't bring that. They didn't. They didn't bring anything to put the loot in. Okay. <laughs> there is not a bag or a box between them. They are standing around trying to figure out the best way to get all this crap to the car. Sounds <laughs> like everything me at Trader Joe's. I forget that. <laughs> <laughs> well actually i know um nicole uh from the homance chronicles podcast like that's a that's like a tactic for her she purposely will go into the store she will not get a cart she will not get a basket she only buys what she can hold in her hands wow to save money that's kind of cool i mean it's it is, but then she says I always end up like loaded up with this like whole armful of stuff and people are awkwardly asking me if I want a cart and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, don't need it. Did you ever watch, um, what was that show? Supermarket Sweep? And like, No, I like, missed it. Oh my God. Supermarket Sweep is like the greatest entertainment, but, or like those other ones, like there was like Shop Till You Drop and they had to like carry the, the game shows and like they had to carry a bunch of stuff so in my mind as a child who thought I could compete on these game shows I would probably go into a store thinking I can hold everything just remember what shop to you drop said to do <laughs> so I don't think I would save any money I'd like no no this is a challenge this is a, this is a game and I'm gonna win you got stuff stacked on top of your head <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're standing around they're in the electronics department they're trying to figure out how they're going to get the loot to the car and then everything stops they hear a sound like someone dropping something and it's kind of coming from an area of where there is an office on the first floor and they are immediately caught by this security guard that wasn't supposed to be there I guess this department store means business because the security guard is straight up armed and he pulls a gun on them and he tells them, you know, not to move. And he, he reaches for his radio. He's about to call for help. So Clay, being Clay, yells, run. And at the same time, he pulls his own pistol, shoots the security. It's a chest wound and the guy goes down. This 
escalated quickly. Didn't it? Time to leave. So they're running for the back entrance of the store. And Pam is basically like running through in her head like, well, my life is over. I am 100% fucked. We've just killed somebody. Like, there's no going back. They break through the back door and they discover her car's gone. What did Taylor Swift say about getaway cars? I'm telling you, she was right. Because it's not that the car was stolen. They came out the wrong fucking door. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) They went out the wrong entrance. So so they had to kind of like haul around the corner and get in the car and drive away. And it's like, they didn't get anything. Oh, right. They didn't didn't have time to load anything up. They just shot somebody and bounced. When Pam wakes up the next morning, the news is reporting about the break-in. And they're saying that a a security guard was fatally shot and that robbers made off with $25,000 in cash from the safe in the office. Hmm. So she picks up the phone and she calls Clay. And Clay's also watching the news. And he drops a bomb that, like, you know, not only did they get the part about the money wrong, because the three of them didn't get jack shit, but also his gun... The one that he supposedly fired at the security guard, Clay says he didn't load it. He only Hmm. brought the gun for show in case like something went wrong. And he pulled the gun on the guard to try to give them a chance to like run away. So the minute he pulls this gun, someone else had to have shot that security guard. So that morning, Reva leaves the house. And blows off her little brother again about taking him to see Santa. She rides into the store with dad and they're talking about the robbery on the way. Daddy is saying that, you know, it had to be someone on the inside because the safe that was robbed, it was on the first floor and not many people knew that that safe even existed. Um, But he couldn't understand why they would want to kill the security guard because, I mean, the staff liked this guy. He was a pretty well-liked security guard they get to the store and that afternoon mitch pulls reva into like a stock room and says like you know he wants to talk to her which is code for let's go make out Mm -hmm. and when they get in there he plants one on her like movie star style bends her like gives her the biggest kiss ever and he proudly announces that he's a free man now Lisa's broken up with him, and now he is free and clear to date her. And he's pretty excited about it. But our little psycho is no longer interested. Wow. See, when he chased after his girlfriend before, she thought that was really weak of him. And she doesn't date wimps. And she takes, like, a shit ton of pleasure, like, telling him so. And he flips out. He does not flip a table, but he does pick up like a bench and throw it against a wall. So you can now add Mitch to the count of people who would like to see Reva come down with like explosive diarrhea and like (laughs) poop herself. She heads back to the counter and she blows off a phone call from Pam, who she had this like lunch date with. 
And she's told from another sales girl that a package came for her while she was in the stockroom. Oh no. It's a big wooden crate. It's almost as tall as she is. It's narrow and it's not wrapped, but there is a big red ribbon tied around it and a bow on top. Reven knows that this is another present from whoever sent her the blood. She opens the crate and she stands there for a minute. She's just trying to register what she's seeing. It's a corpse, a dead and frozen, folded up human body. Oh. And as you might have guessed, it's a mannequin. But it's a real fucked up one. (laughs) It's got this like weird, crooked smile, kind of like sloppily painted on. Um, It was meant to look like a dead body. And the dummy has like a gift card attached to its wrist with some like red ribbon. Mm -hmm. And all it says is happy holidays from a friend. So Reva has a panic attack. She starts running through the store and she's kind of on the verge of blacking out. Whoever's doing this has effectively gotten to her. Meanwhile, back on Fear Street, our three felons are all at Mickey's house. His dad's drinking has gotten a lot worse and they're all wondering why they haven't been caught yet. Clay tells everyone that he's tried to contact this Maywood, the inside guy, but he's all but disappeared. They can't get a hold of him. Just as they're starting to feel like maybe they're going to get away with it, the phone rings. And a scratchy voice on the other end says, I saw what you did and I want my share. Later that night, Pam goes over to her boyfriend's house, you know, (laughs) who has also possibly robbed the store Santa. And it's all very confusing, but she's over there hanging out with him and Pam gets another call from the, I saw what you did guy. Hmm. And now he's asking for $10,000. So she freaks out and she spills this whole story about the robbery and everything to the boyfriend, Foxy slash Rob. Rob wants to go to the police, but she says, no, we can't go to the police. So they all head over to Clay's house. Mickey's there. And Pam's like, hey, guys, so I kind of told my boyfriend everything. They try to figure out what to do about this blackmailer. And of course, Clay is like, you know, whoever this motherfucker, I'm going to kill him. Next morning at the store, Reva rolls in an hour late. And she pulls Hank, the boyfriend, into an office. And she immediately accuses him of like, listen, I know it's you who's sending me all these gifts. I just, I want a truce. I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. Like whatever your problem is, like, let's just call a truce. I don't want any more gifts from you. And he's <laughs> like, no, you know, it wasn't me. And she, she basically is says to him, well, if it wasn't you, who would do this? And he lets her in on the secret that she has been like wildly ignoring. <laughs> and he tells her straight up, everyone hates you. The person doing this to you could literally be anyone that you've ever come in contact with, ever. (laughs) Wow. 
So she, she has this like moment of clarity and I don't know if I buy it or not, but like, that's how it's written. She has this moment of clarity. She, she kind of breaks down and she admits to him that she's, you know, she's kind of turned off her emotions since her mother died. And she has this like crying breakdown kind of like falls into his arms and like a chump, he allows it. Duh. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. Do we feel sorry for her? Is her behavior excusable? I mean, it's sad her mom died. But not really. She did some pretty messed up stuff. She's, I can't, I don't really, I wouldn't forgive her if it was me. I mean, because it's an interesting question. Like, if you have a parent that dies or a child that dies, like, do you get a pass? Like, do you just get to fuck with people to make yourself feel better? Or, I'm... I don't know. I got Yeah. I might feel differently. Like I haven't like luck luckily both my parents are still living, so I have not had to deal with that. And I think if I if I had, maybe I'd feel differently, but I just don't. Yeah. If you want to self-destruct, I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. Like do what you gotta do. Same. But like when you feel the need to like do it to other people, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. I feel like it's it's a fine line. Like maybe it's a little like I could. How long ago did her mom die? Did they say? They don't yeah. really say. Her little mm-hmm. brother is seven. He talks about their mother, so I mean mm-hmm. he had to be old enough to remember her. So I feel like it's got to be fairly recent. I'm gonna guess okay. it's in the last like few years. Okay. It still seems like she's doing too much, especially with like the poor cousin. Like, I could see if you want to fuck with your boyfriend. Like, that's fucked, but okay. But, like, what did the cousin do? You know, she's just poor. Well, speaking of poor Pam, uh, let's cut back to Pam. So she and the boyfriend, Foxy slash Rob, they were all at their house. They were talking about things. So she decides to walk to Foxy's house from her house, which is only, like, five blocks. She's about two blocks from his house. And she gets grabbed from behind and dragged into like a hedge. And her attacker warns her not to turn around, not to look at him. It's the blackmailer. He says that he was there that night and he wants his money. Well, guess what? She turns around and looks at him. And (laughs) she knows right away who it is. She runs down the street. He catches her. He pins her to the ground and then she runs away right as like the boy Foxy or the boyfriend starts like running up. So she runs away. Foxy runs up and she immediately gets away from the situation. The blackmailer runs off. Foxy catches up to her and she's like, I know who the blackmailer is. So now we cut back to the store. Reva decides to show up on time today. Oh, It's like she's on the verge of an epiphany. (laughs) She's been thinking a lot about her conversation with Hank and why she treats people the way that she does. Okay, so that's a good thing. But let's see where this goes, because it just, it can't be that easy. (laughs) Or maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know if you can, like, wake up one morning and say to yourself, you know, I think it's time to be a completely different person. No. Okay, well, we're all (laughs) on the same page. So she gets to work and she hears like this commotion in the stock room. 
There's things breaking and being slammed around. And she goes in there and Mitch and Rob, and mind you, Rob is in his full Santa suit. <laughs> they are beating the crap out of each other and they're making a huge mess. The floor manager comes in and breaks it up, but we don't really find out what they were fighting about. Later that afternoon, Reva finally brings her little brother in to see Santa. So the kid goes up, he talks to Santa, and then he walks up to Reva and he's like, Santa's not real. That is not a real belly, it's padded. So Reva doesn't think very much of it. She drops her brother off with dad, and then she goes back to the perfume counter to find another giant crate. She asks her boss, Miss Smith, if she knows who left it. She says she doesn't. And Reva kind of sighs, this big sigh, because she knows this is going to be some kind of a nasty trick. She just wants to get it over with. So she opens the crate. And inside, what's in the box, Danielle? Okay, so we've already had blood. We had a body. Well, it wasn't a body, but kind of a body trying to think what could possibly be next I don't want to say like a dead animal but maybe something like gross like that she opens the box inside she finds Mitch or rather Mitch's dead body Oh, he's been stabbed with a kitchen knife in the back right between the shoulder blades it's a department store they're handy there's all kinds of shit around So the cops come and they question everyone. Lisa, the girlfriend, is hysterical and Reva's just kind of numb. So she goes home. She goes to sleep. She sits up 2 a.m. straight up in bed. She says aloud to herself, I know who killed Mitch. And then the chapter ends. So now Pam is asking Clay if he killed Mitch. Because guess what? Mitch was the blackmailer. The guy who attacked Pam on Fear Street, the guy who kept calling and demanding $10,000, it was Mitch. And guess what? She told Clay that it was Mitch. And now Mitch is dead. But Clay swears it wasn't him. Next morning, Reva asked to ride into work with Daddy because she's got a theory about the murderer and who it could be. When they get to the store, she asks Hank to run the security tapes back. He has to rewind them. (laughs) And he gets a look at the store Santa from yesterday. And she confirms that Rob is not the Santa that's sitting in the chair. She remembered her brother saying something that Santa had a padded belly. And remember, Rob's a little chunky. He doesn't wear a padded belly for Santa, so she knew it wasn't him. So would Rob have had enough time to sneak away and kill Mitch, who he had just been fighting with in the break room? So now who's your money on? Who do you think the killer is now? Is it still Miss Smith? I mean, she's been really absent. So I've... This is like Clue. It's possible because you haven't seen her. So what could she be up to? But I don't know. I don't know. The cops arrive at the store and pull Santa off his throne and slap him in cuffs. And all the kids start crying. Oh, no. (laughs) Santa's being arrested. What did Santa do? But it's my turn. (laughs) 
<laughs> and and as he's being arrested, Pam comes running out of nowhere. And she's yelling, Foxy. So yeah, Foxy's you Rob. Were right. We were right. Robin Foxy, same person. So he's getting dragged away and he's he's yelling, you know, I did it for you, Pam. I, I did it for you. I just wanted to help you. And I wanted to get even with Riva. Riva goes back to her counter and she tries to kind of like block out everything that's just happened. She works till close. She heads out to her car. Someone's waiting there. It's Pam. And she says that she knows that Foxy just could not have killed Mitch. And couldn't they just like sit in Pam's car for a minute and like get warm <laughs> while she explains things to Reva? This is And Reva's like, sure, yes, Pam, like let's sit in your car. So <laughs> Pam starts to tell Reva that Mitch was blackmailing her. She doesn't tell her why, um, but she just said that like Foxy had a friend stand in for him that afternoon so that he could sneak away and like make out with her, which is something he's been doing this whole season. So it's not weird that he wasn't in the Santa chair when he was hmm. supposed to be. He knows that she's really upset. And he told her that he has been playing some mean tricks on Reva. So Rob slash Foxy is responsible for the needle for the oh. blood for the mannequin she says, I really, I got onto him for it because I'm a super good person. I drive getaway cars. I don't rob stores, you know, <laughs> and I told him to stop. And Reva kind of feels bad. She, she pushed this dude to do this stuff, I guess. And she apologizes to Pam and Pam offers to take Reva home. And then maybe they could stay and have dinner. But Reva, oh no, has left her keys in the department store. She's going to have to go back inside to get them. They're in daddy's office and she tells Pam, you know, wait here for me for a minute while I go back inside to get my keys. Reva goes back in the store. And it's all dark. It's been shut down for the night. The only light coming is coming from various Christmas trees that are lit up on the first floor. Someone has left the music track on and Silent Night is playing. <laughs> She's trying not to freak out. She doesn't look at the tall shadows of the dummies set up all over the store. Or the reflections of movement in the jewelry counters as she kind of passes by. She moves through slowly, just keeping her shit together. She's not comfortable, but she's just got to go get her keys. She makes it to the elevator. She takes it up to the sixth floor. When she gets there, all the security monitors are on at the security station, but it's not recording anything. It's all just fuzz. And someone is standing in front of the monitors wearing a uniform, but it's not Hank. It's Mr. Wakely, the drunken security guard, oh, standing no. at the screens in his work uniform. And she's like, dude, you don't work here anymore. He doesn't even go here, okay? And he's like, but I still have work to do. And of course, he's got a gun. For those of you playing at home, if you had Mr. Wakely pegged for the murder, go ahead and pass out drinks to all of those who didn't. He was my second choice, damn it. 
I should have went with Oh, him. was he? Was he, Danielle? Because <laughs> you sure didn't say that. But okay. Mr. Wakeley, who is drunk, uh, starts to confess to the shooting of the security guard. But he keeps talking about this mysterious Maywood character. Maywood set up this plan to rob the safe and set three kids up to like rob it at the same time as a distraction. Mm. What he didn't tell him is that one of those three kids was his kid, Mickey. And Mr. Wakeley shot the guard to protect his son. He saw them with guns drawn at each other and he thought he would just take the guard out of the equation. Mr. Wakeley also killed Mitch because he overheard that Mitch was blackmailing the three kids about the robbery. So Reva is stalling. She's trying to keep him talking while she plans an escape from this situation. And she asks him, you know, why did you have to send her Mitch's body? Turns out he just stuffed Mitch in the first place he saw. And it happened to be the crate that had already been delivered to Reva. Somebody saw it had her name on it and they re-delivered it to her. Total accident. The only loose end that he has to tie up now is Reva. And she runs. But he starts shooting. And he kind of traps her with her back against the railing of the balcony that overlooks the store. And there's Christmas trees and lights below. And he runs at her. And he mid-air dives and friggin' form tackles her. Which, what the hell? I know he's a drunk security guard, but... Maybe just shoot the gun you're holding. Crap. But anyways, so she ducks at the last second and he goes sailing over the rail and falls five stories to the ground floor. He lands impaled on a Christmas tree and was shocked a number of times by red and green lights shorting out before the breaker's throne, which I felt like was a very nice festive touch. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. That is a good ending. Or way too I bad. like that a lot. Um, <laughs> so Hank shows up out of nowhere. Oh. He starts comforting Reva. He says, you know, oh, I'm sorry I couldn't be here. I was working on some computers in the basement. And he saw everything on the monitors down there because apparently there's monitors in the basement for some stupid reason. Okay. <laughs> But he also says he was able to record Mr. Wakeley's full confession about the murders. Gotta love that VHS. Nice. So everything seems to be wrapped up. But what did we forget? Danielle, what did we forget? Pam. Where's Pam? Where'd she go? Pam's out in the car still. Oh. Probably pissed because she probably thinks that Reba (laughs) blew her off again. But no, the, here's Maywood. the thing that we're missing. What happened to Maywood? Who the fuck is Maywood? <laughs> Do you have a guess? Would you like to venture a guess on who this Maywood person is? I, I have no idea. Who would give themselves the name Maywood, first of all? Well, you know what? Neither do I, because we <laughs> never find out. <laughs> Stein just never circles back to that. Okay. Pam, the others, they get a slap on the wrist. Reva and Hank get back together. Oh. And Reva's New Year's resolution to stop being a giant bitch. (laughs) 
good luck with that. Yeah. And, and that's it. That's that's how it ends. That's how it ends. I do have a theory though. I have a theory about Maywood, and then I'll and then I'll we'll let these poor people go because we're <laughs> a long episode. They're gonna be long episodes, folks. We're condensing 150, 200 pages into like 10. So these are gonna be <laughs> long episodes. Uh I do have a theory about Maywood. I think that Hank is Maywood. Oh. I think Hank is just as crazy, if not crazier than she is. I think the second she broke up with him, he orchestrated this whole thing and he did it to make her unnerved and feel frightened so Mm -hmm. that he could be there to comfort her and get her back, which is exactly what happened. And he's conveniently always there. Around. Well, and he told her, I'm always going to be watching you Mm -hmm. on all these monitors and whatnot. I think Hank is Maywood, but... like he got right? the, got the security job and it's like perfect because he can do all this stuff behind the scenes so yup well, that's, that's it so that's it that's silent night <laughs> silent night on fear street nice so do you want to talk about the facebook group real quick sure we have a facebook group you should join it and be our friends you can find us. <laughs> you can find us at Snacks with Stein on Facebook. We will accept you, unless, of course, you're a serial killer. We learned that from our friends at the Haunted Heart, so we're gonna take that advice with us into our new group and come and share and let's um, talk about who Maywood is because I want to know. Yes, who is Maywood. Yes. Also, wherever you are listening, um, hopefully by the time this is episode one, and hopefully we have launched successfully on all the big pod patchers. And wherever you're listening, there's definitely a way for you to go and leave us a review. And if you could just take a few seconds and do that, that would be fantastic. We are only interested in good reviews. If you have bad reviews, just keep those to yourself. And next time, Danielle is going to be bringing us the 12 Screams of Christmas. And I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> so until next time, we are out. Like two fat kids in dodgeball. Bye.